0: Hello guys. Good morning. Good evening. This is Matt, your host, and we are sitting with Peter here. We are the Couple Nurses podcast. We are a podcast where we tackle hot nursing topics one conversation at a time. How are you doing today, Peter Fendero? What's
1: up guys? I'm doing good. You know, it's actually 30 degrees over here. So it's actually a nice warming of this winter weather here in Chicago. It was like five to seven degrees these past couple of days. So it's actually pretty, pretty warm right now. Thirty-five, can't complain. I was wearing just like a like a little thin jacket on my way to the gym.
0: How's the weather over there? I know how that feels, man. When Chicago gets warmer and you're just kind of like really digging it, feeling it. But I am in Venice. This is my first recording session here. So those that are watching on YouTube, this is my new room, and um, I've accustomed pretty well. I'm using like a little furniture table that's meant for like flowers and pictures, man. And I just kind of made it into a little podcast session. So make it I am work, good. man. Are those
1: fake flowers over there or are those real flowers?
0: Yeah, so everything in this house, I think there's like 5 or 6 plants, bro. They they are all plastic. <laughs> so that kind of takes away that feeling of nature. So I, I actually bought myself a plant. You bought yourself a plant. What kind? Of, is it a cactus? No, man, to be honest, I have it looked up on my phone to kind of do some research about it, but it requires minimal care. Semi-sunlight, you water it once a week. So it's like a plant that's able to survive when I'm, you know, working those night shifts.
1: I feel I was looking into plants like a while ago. I always want like a Venus flytrap. The ones that, you know, those live ones that just eat, eat the flies and whatever falls in there. But I wonder if, I wonder if you got to feed it though. Do you think you got to feed it like little bugs?
0: I'm almost cracking up because I feel like you would say something like that. <laughs> you would want a Venus fi- flytrap. I have no idea how that works, man. But well, I heard those are, they are some nasty plants. Like mean? Like they like, uh, hey, sad people, like... <sighs> I mean, they do some shit, man. Like for some reason, the way they capture flies and I was watching Discovery Channel about those plants, man. I don't know, man. I would stay away from them. Why don't like, you get yourself like a sunflower? Like they smell? Do they? Because I wonder if they're like,
1: technically they're, carn, they're carnivores, right? Do they just eat? Yeah, I got to look this up because is all they do is just just eat. Is there a photosynthesis going on? Because there's no photosynthesis and I got to feed this plant. It's, it's going to be like having a fish all over again. Like I couldn't, I do not have the time to take care of fish. So I decided to get rid of them. If I got to feed this thing, it's going to be kind of annoying, but if it could go like half, half, it's not a bad idea. I could probably feed it like a fly a day or, you know, put it by a window.
0: <laughs> Imagine putting it like that plant, a little fish tank. So that fly has nowhere to fly just in, just so it lands in that Venus fly trap. That's a good way to feed it. Like on top, put a little,
1: like a little net, like a netting. Yeah. And then just have that fly go around. But then if, yeah, cause a fly would eventually
0: have to land somewhere in its mouth. Right. Imagine tying the fly on a fishing, like a fishing line, and then the plant eats it. And what would happen if you pull it out? I have
1: no idea. But mm-hmm. if, speaking of that, my mom used to do that for fun. When my mom was younger, she used to, she used to like, you know, they were, used to be out farming and somebody would take like little breaks or whatever. And she used to catch flies and she would pull off the wings out of the flies and she would tie a little thread around it and, it, and she'd walk it.
0: Oh it my God. Dude. This is your mom. This is my mom.
1: Literally torturing these these poor flies, little pulling off the wings and just making them walk with a little shrink.
0: Next time I see her when I'm in Chicago, man, I'm gonna bring this up. You can bring
1: it up, and she like there's flies around around the house. She catches them, she catches them, and then she just puts them outside. Like it's like it's ridiculous. Like she has years of experience of like catching flies in the farms.
0: It's it's like it's like hand eye coordination, man. She'd be pretty good at ping pong.
1: Yeah, you know what she's good at? Whooping my ass when I was younger, dude. That's for sure. <laughs> God damn,
0: dude! I asked him so many times. But that's another. That it's kind of funny because I mean I feel like we should start the show. But it's kind of funny when you were 16 through that giant New Year's party, bro. And um, Peter's mom came and. she's seen peter's closet door broken (laughs) and she had no idea what the heck happened bro so she just took out the freaking belt (laughs) just started whipping peter like (laughs) almost hit his head no fucks given just smacking his shoulder his arm peter's defending himself and i'm just in the other corner of the room because i slept over like it's, it's a very awkward situation like what am i supposed to say stop So She turns wrestlers beating
1: me. She probably wouldn't even care. She probably keep going. And when you guys left, dude, it was – man, it's like like 10X. Once there's no audience, dude, that's how she was with an audience. Imagine how she was when you guys left. I got my ass up so hard, dude. But, you know, shit happens. But today, guys, what's up?
0: I kind of wanted to touch about parenting skills here. I feel like even though in America it's not – it's frowned upon to beat your kid, I think it's a very – good form of self-discipline. Cause I mean, I got my ass beat too men by my dad. So, but like in a good way, meaning, you know, I didn't, I'm not, I wasn't abused, but like if I did something wrong or stole 20 bucks, you know, I kind of learned my lesson very well. Yeah. They definitely taught us
1: what it means to, to get in trouble. You know, like if there's consequences to your actions and there's no greater consequence to get your ass whooped, you know, and it's, and it's how you kind of learn. Instead of like, instead of getting, well, we got grounded, but instead of grounded, you got your ass whooped. And you got grounded. So it's like a like a double entendre. You got fucked both times, you know? No, no TV, no video games, and your fucking thighs hurt now from, from the wooden spoon or the belt, man.
0: Yeah, okay. <laughs> I love how this show started, man. So what are we talking about today, PD?
1: Well, on today's episode, guys, we're gonna talk about the infamous coronavirus. We're gonna touch upon how it started, kind of what's going on. What are we doing to manage it, to treat it? Is there a cure? You'll find out. And we're also gonna talk about nurses getting injured. So we're gonna talk about workplace injuries, a lot of nurses suffer from back injuries. It's one of the worst professions
0: to be in for,
1: for your back and just for like sustained injuries at the workplace.
0: It's messed up, man. I actually took a the safety occupational, you know, safe handling classes. And they shared a story that there was a nurse that just started new grad and she pulled the patient, man, and she just kinked her back, man. And she stopped the bedside nursing because of that. It's crazy how we have so many factors to deal with. Like these patients are like different kinds of weight sizes. We're in different situations. We have IV poles. We have tubing. Like we never lift with good, um, is it called ergonomics, uh, maybe posture or I, don't I was going to say aerodynamics, but it's not, it's not aerodynamics. Just our form of lifting and moving and transferring patients, it's, never, it's not like lifting a barbell weight where you do it a nice and straight line. Like there's so many factors, patient moves, grandma's like holding onto the rail. As soon as you start lifting her, like there's just so many things that could happen. And yeah, I feel like we have a pretty dangerous profession when it comes to back injuries and things like that. We do. And you know what else is dangerous?
1: That coronavirus that's spreading around this, this beautiful earth we have here. So the coronavirus, guys, I'm sure you all know, it started in Wuhan, China. We're still not really 100% sure where it came from, if it's animal-based, if it came from a person, the soil, a plant. We're not 100% sure. We're still trying to find find that out. And it started in China, so obviously China is going to be you know the most dangerous part part of it. But China is a big player of the global economy so people you know fly into China fly out of China and that's why it's so dangerous the way it spreads is you know through the air so it's very easy easier to catch and China being so popular economically and just for people traveling it makes it even more dangerous it's not like it's a small small country like maybe somewhere in the middle east or somewhere in africa where maybe it could be easier contained this potentially can have drastic effects
0: even bigger than what we currently see right now it's interesting how we don't have a source of how it happened. But if we look back at like the SARS, which is another form of coronavirus, it happened from cats, and then we had the um, the MERS, which is another one that emerged from a camel. People cross contamination somehow. So I wonder if you know this this started in a seafood market. You never know. There could have been a bat, like a rat. <laughs> A fish, (laughs) a cat, now I can start rhyming. And um, it just, yeah, infected a person and then it spreads through contact or slash droplet, right? So it's officially through droplet. We're not really 100% sure on
1: what's the, if there is like a contact also precaution. But some of the studies are showing that it does live on surfaces for up to three days, I I believe. So it's not only past droplets. Some studies are actually showing (laughs) that it actually can last on a surface for a long time. But the thing is, if somebody touches the surface and touches their mouth, do they get infected or is it just, you know, it just has to be breathed in? That I'm still 100% sure about, but it is for sure droplet precaution. So if somebody coughs, sneezes, farts, laughs, and that stuff goes in your, in your mouth and, or in your nose, you inhale it, you're most likely going to get it.
0: So it's like the f- flu. It's like the flu. I have a very dirty picture when you said farts and inhaling it, man. But let's take a step back for those that don't know how things spread and why it's droplet and how it lives off surfaces. So the bacteria versus virus comparison. So a bacteria is actually a living organism. It could kind of provide on its own. A virus is essentially non-living, so it needs a host to reproduce. So what happens is a virus can hang out on a surface and then it has to find a host which is an animal or a human and what happens is as soon as it enters the host it goes into the cell it infects the cell and it starts producing its own machinery technically it starts replicating its own cells and that's how a virus is spreading internally that's why we say hey that virus could live on a surface for three days max because it needs a host to survive so that's where we kind of talk about contact and how stuff spreads And viruses
1: are a lot harder to treat, get rid of, or or cure, just because, like Matt said, it's not bacteria where it's where it's living. Where you can give an antibiotic, antibiotics would not work for this. You would need like antivirals. So another virus, HIV, is also a virus. Flu is a virus. You need antivirals, and these are a lot harder to treat because there is no 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 um, native cell. There's just you know like a virus, like a capsule around it. So it's a lot harder to disrupt the virus's you know, system their their genes. And prevent the uh, spread and transmission compared to bacteria, where you give it an antib- antibiotic and you kind of, kind of. There's more ways to kill a living living organism than it is to kill a non-living organism. Is basically what I'm yeah. trying to say.
0: Yeah, it's like it's like I don't want to compare a ghost to a human, man. But it's like if you're a ghost and you know if you're trying to kill a human in the house, you know where it's at and what to do with it. If it's a ghost, how are you gonna attack the ghost when it's a non-living? It's literally invisible. You'd have to kind of create some kind of radar gun or something just to kind of give you guys into a perspective
1: yeah. drink some holy water or something you know like back in the day but the official name for coronavirus they changed recently and it's officially called C-O-V-I-D-19 the 19 is for the year 2019 is when it first came out and the thing it makes it even more difficult to to find and to kind of um, because so it's kind of hard to diagnose you could say because it masks the flu basically it has the same symptoms as the flu you know headache fever Shortness of breath, cough, people could develop pneumonia from this. That's, there's not one specific kind of sign that's going to say, oh, he's got coronavirus. It's not like your sputum's pink, you know, where you, you cough and you spit out pink stuff or purple stuff or yellow stuff. And you're like, yep, that's coronavirus because it's yellow. No, it's, it's the same, same as you see as a flu. And the only way you can really find out that it is for sure coronavirus is through its testing. And then that's usually the, the RSV panel, correct Matt? You get the, they swab your throat or your, or your nose and they do serology tests and a genetic testing to actually find out that this is coronavirus.
0: Yes, and what I like is even in this hospital, or it was Kaiser where I worked. So because of everything that's happening and we need more testing on RSV, sometimes some facilities, they send out this RSV panel to get tested in a lab. Now they have machines where they t- test the RSV panels here in the hospital and the results come back within 24 hours. So that's pretty impressive that they're trying to upgrade based on what's happening in like our current society. Yeah, it's nice. I'm not sure how long our RSV panels
1: would take for the coronavirus. I think number ones take like 24 to, I think, maybe one or th- one or three days, depending, because I believe we, we ship ours out. And we did have a coronavirus case in our facility. It ended up being negative, so oh, thank God for that. But there is, I think, maybe two or three cases actually in, in Chicago that that have, have been reported, you know, if you go to our show notes, there, there's a link that Matt provided that kind of tracks all the coronavirus outbreaks that, that that there is. If you guys are really interested, you guys could, could check it out, but there's three for sure that there are in Chicago, but they're all negative.
0: So what happened is they were both positive actually, and they both recovered. Oh, so,
1: right. so sorry. Three, three cases, two of them were, were positive. And like you said, yeah, they recovered. Sorry about yeah.
0: that. And what we remember recovery is they, they actually got treated. So I, that's kind of impressive. You know, I think there's a couple of cases in LA but it's not recovered. So there's seventy-three thousand reportings and th- then they go into the bucket of dead or recovered, meaning they actually kinda cured themselves. Not cured themselves, but just um the virus went away.
1: Yeah, so I guess you could say you killed yourself because there there isn't a really a cure for it. There's not like a vaccine. Nothing that can really give you to get rid of specifically coronavirus. We could kind of give you things that make you feel better, massive symptoms, things like that. But but essentially we are hoping that you're native immune system is able to fight off the coronavirus by itself. And that's kind of what has been going on. I know some some companies out there, pharmaceutical companies have said that they are are working on some kind of medication or a vaccine to, to fight the coronavirus. I'm not sure how far they are in their completion of it, but there's people working on it. So maybe in the near future, maybe we'll get a vaccine or some kind of medication.
0: Yeah, so I kind of want to talk about the timeline because I'm actually pretty impressed how our world or our governments took care of all this because usually in the news, we hear everything negative. This is happening. Trump's doing this. A bunch of negative shit, man. It's keeping us in this negative state. Here, I kind of wanted to take a look at the timeline of how we troubleshooted this coronavirus. And I'm actually very impressed by our society. So in December 31st of 2019, China basically alerted the World Health Organization that there's a pneumonia with an unknown cause. The next day, the Chinese shut down the Wu, um, those are the seafood market, because of suspicions. Within that time, the first death happened eight days later. On the 9th of January, a 61-year-old man died from the severe pneumonia. By the 12th of January, China shares the genetic sequencing of the coronavirus to help trace the dangers. So that's, that's really impressive that within 12 days of getting alerted, China already has a DNA sequencing of the virus, and they're able to um, give it to multiple labs. And what? And then let's move further down the timeline. 24th, we finally get one case in United States. Um, and it's interesting, too, on a 27th uh, bill, Bill Gates, he donated $100 million towards this, um towards this outbreak.
1: Man, I, that's I like per- Bill Gates, man. That guy's, that guy's always do, doing something. This guy has... I mean, if you guys know who Bill Gates, is Bill Gates is a creator and founder of Microsoft, basically has a role in every PC that you that you basically had that that you had your hands on in the past. And all he did a lot of uh, donations with Ebola as well, same with the swine flu. I know he's also trying to get rid of the West Nile virus in Africa. Like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, they do a lot of this, you know, anti, uh, I guess you could say, antiviral. Viral, you know, health management that whatever you want to call it, but they definitely do a lot for these issues that are new, upcoming, or maybe they're they affect somebody that's in a poor population that people might not want to take care of. He does a lot of good foundation work,
0: yeah. So in Africa, I watched his documentary. He tried to stop, um, what, what do you get from rickets? Is it, um, it's with the letter M, bro. I'm, I'm like blanking out malaria. right now, not malaria, not malaria. He, Polio, so he wanted to stop polio, and he was actually paying for vaccines and these people, these vaccinators that are going to, you know, little tribe to tribe, vaccinating everybody to stop the outbreaks, like in different um countries like Uganda. But the thing is, is that some of these people think that the vaccines are bad, and they would kill the people that are coming to the vaccines to their little tribes. It's crazy. But I wanted to kind of finish this off here with this timeline. So we're we're at January twelfth, United States, right? by February 3rd, China already has clinical trials for a drug, for antiviral drug called uh, remdesivir. And by February 10th, so this is 40 days later after coronavirus gets, you know, put on the streets, 168 labs around the world are able to diagnose the virus successfully. And they're already like running tests. That's like, you know, we hear about negativity. Like I said, I'm like, this is impressive, man. Within 40 days, our world, like, figures out a virus, figures out the DNA and we're like trying to stop it. Like that's that's impressive. man. I think China did a great job by like, you know, stopping the no-fly zones because they're such a populated country to prevent like this massive outbreak from happening. Imagine if you get, if you could try something like this on a global scale, but with like,
1: you know, HIV or certain cancers. You know, imagine how how strong this could, like uh, research, research can be for, for autoimmune issues, like I said, cancer, diseases like, like that there are maybe readily studied or more privatized because a lot of businesses, you know, they try to find a certain medication first and then so they can reap the profits out of it. But if, think about it, if, if we could officially get on a global scale to together treat coronavirus, imagine what we could do with other diseases and other cancers or immune diseases. Like it's, it's not going to happen, happen, Peter. You never know. Like this, this could be like a this might be able to show us that, hey, maybe we can come together and figure this out. Maybe you could do something about this with with diabetes where everyone comes together and just figures it out. This might be like the first step to it. You never know. It could cascade into a lot of other positive things.
0: Yeah, so I'm definitely an optimist with everything I do in life. I'm going to be very pessimistic here and I'm just going to be like, dude, there's, there's shitty people that are running our government. There are people that wouldn't want diabetes to be solved because imagine how much money diabetes brings in to the pharmaceuticals, to surgeries, to the hospital. Like it's a business, unfortunately, but I really, really would love for you know everybody to be cured from that if it was possible. Yeah. That's a good point, Matthew. Let's talk about workplace injuries. Do you want to wrap up coronavirus here?
1: Uh, sure. Yeah. So I'm not sure how much total deaths they are, but if you guys like Matt has linked into the show notes, there's, uh, consistent feed of where the coronavirus is, where it's majority affecting, shows you new spreads, shows you how many people died. And like I said before, there's no cure for it. There's no treatment for it. And the main reason people die is due to like a severe pneumonia, coronavirus associated pneumonia. And obviously we can't get rid of that pneumonia because there's no antibiotic that would give you or antiviral. That's why it's so dangerous. So right now we're banking on that your body is going to be able to handle its own and actually have this coronavirus by itself with us just helping it out by masking the symptoms, making you you feel better.
0: Before, before we end, I actually pulled up the results, the data, the latest data, which just came out today. So right now confirmed, we have 72,000 cases confirmed, almost 73,000. Um, we are at 27 countries confirmed out of 195 and we have um, 1,800 deaths out of those pay, uh, confirmed cases, we have 13.1,000 uh, recovered patients. So, so not bad, you know. I mean, it's still, it's still a huge death toll compared to other viruses. Uh, but I think we're doing a good job, to be honest. Yeah, and it's only really, what, maybe like three months in now. It started back in December. Yeah, so this
1: potentially has still some fatal effects. So hopefully we get on top of this collectively and quicker than, than later, sooner than later.
0: Agreed, man. Let's talk about workplace injuries, man.
1: All right. So nurses out there, you know, workplaces injuries are a main deterrent for nurses to staying in a nursing field for a long period of time. So I looked at some, some data it's from 2016, but it's from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which is probably the most accurate form of data that you could probably get out there. It is from 2016. However, but if you think about it, it takes years to gather this data, and it takes years to compile this data and actually come up with these hypotheses and actually these, these statistics. So out of all the nurses out there, nurses have sustained I think it's about 19,000 nurses have sustained some kind of injury that keeps them out of work for a day or longer in 2016. And majority of nurse, those nurses are in the hospital. And that makes sense because majority of nurses work in a hospital compared to like nursing homes or health clinics or, or things like that. But 19,000 nurses have got in injured and the majority of those injuries have been due to back issues associated with, with lifting strains, things like that, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at it like you know the 2016 statistic here. So 61% of all RNs are working in the hospitals, yet 74% of those, you know, injuries happen in the hospitals, man. And I I see it myself. Like, I feel like sometimes what happens is we get rushed. First of all, man, I feel like we should just have some kind of movement and just change nursing all in general because it's fudged up sometimes, man. But anyways, like, I feel like we have way too much stress, way too much things on our plate. Not only are we, are we understaffed and all these other factors that we deal with, What happens then is we know how time consuming transferring a patient can be, you know, getting another uh, nurse to help you with a, you know, um, with a boost and all that. And what happens is like, dude, we rush everything, man. Like sometimes we run in the room and, you know, she has to, you know, pass a pill or something. You're just like lifting really quick. Like you're not like putting the bed all the way flat or putting him in Trendelenburg. So it's easier to go against gravity. Yeah, man. There's just a lot of factors that makes our job dangerous. Just like you said, and fatal.
1: And what's even scary is that the data shows that the longer you work as a nurse, the more prone you are getting to to these injuries. So out of all the data that they compiled, if you work five years or greater as a nurse, they compose more than half of the total injuries. That's really sad to see because you would think that, hey, as you progress as a nurse, you think you'd be able to learn more and kind of avoid being hurt. You've probably seen somebody that got hurt and you kind of learn from, from their mistakes. But that's not the point here. The, what's actually showing is that the longer you work, the more chance you have of getting injured. And that, that does make sense if, if you look at it because you're lifting more, you're doing more hands-on stuff the longer you work. So, so that completely makes sense. That's very unfortunate because we're not doing enough education or, or we don't have enough equipment that, will, that could help nurses. There's some kind of an issue there that we're not, we're not addressing. We're trying to address it, but it's clearly
0: not hitting home. I, and I feel like hospitals, since they know how much workplace injuries and disability costs, I feel like they should be more proactive towards this reason. And it's kind of funny when I look at hospitals because I've been travel nursing, every hospital is different. There's rules, there's laws that you know govern safe patient handling. Uh, there's one in California, there's one in Illinois. Not every single state has one, so they should definitely push for it. For example, Kaiser, right? every single room had a blow-up, the hover mat. So every single room had the the machine that you plug in and it blows up the mattress to transfer the patient easily. This hospital I'm working at does not have it. There's one on every single unit, for example. Kaiser, being a for-profit hospital, knows how much it costs and they actually did the job to get a hover mat in every single room. Funny, man. That makes... Wow. I wish wish we... Honestly,
1: but do you always use it? Do you see nurses always using it or do they still... Try to just like pull the patient over, just just with their hands normally.
0: It depends, man. And to be honest, I used the hover mat before and I did it myself. What I used to do is I t- I take the break off, kind of move the bed a little bit towards you know away from the the wall. I blow up the mat and I drag the patient myself. <laughs> hey, I shouldn't be doing that, but it, honestly, the patient is so much lighter because um, you're blowing air in, and underneath the um, the mattress, there's little micro holes which are kind of blowing air. So imagine like an air hockey table, that little, um, whatever that, um, the hockey puck, puck. there we go. Whatever, the, the puck is so much lighter. So the, the patient just like glides, bro. Yeah, I'm not sure if I used it, but we do did use it on our in-service, like
1: our um, proper lifting techniques in-service. And yeah, that takes like a 400 pound patient and you can just drag them over like Matt said yourself. You really don't need anybody else. You just need somebody there else just because... You know, it's always better to have two people than one And you know, just in case you need somebody just to watch your back, but you can definitely move them yourself. I don't recommend doing it yourself just because that's not the safest thing. Maybe you pull them too hard and maybe the patient's going to fall on you, but it makes things a lot easier. I know in our hospital or in in my floor, we have those, uh, those cranks. Well, it's not a crank. It's, it's electric, those lifts. Okay. It's It's in every room. It's like the giant lifts that go on the ceiling. And you just bring it down and you put the the sheet under the person. But the issue with those is that it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of time out of your out of your shift to transfer somebody, somebody over like that, because you gotta bring the, you gotta put the little harness under them. Then you gotta bring the machine over. You gotta strap them up, and then you gotta move them, and you gotta unstrap them and vice versa. But those air matches are are really legit. They're actually really cool. We have one. Maybe you have two. We have like two or three on our, our unit that we could just use. And I've used it before and it makes things so much easier. Like, it's, you, all you got to do is like just pull them over lightly. That 400 pound person turns into like a 20 pound person, just like that.
0: And, and those little cranes, they're awesome because you don't need to call another nurse to help you with stuff. Like, I in the ICU there, I used to do everything myself, even an intubated patient, strap them up, transfer them, or sometimes you just lift one side and tuck a pillow. You don't need help for a turn. It takes longer. But being a travel nurse, you don't have as much help and resources, I feel like, and you could totally and wolf it. This ICU I'm working at does not have lifts. I'm just like, what the heck, man? But it is what it is. And I feel like every single nurse that's, you know, scared for, let's just say, getting workplace injuries. Like go talk to your, you know, go, go do your unit meetings, your whatever. I forgot the names of the meetings, but talk to them man. talk about safety. Talk about you guys need this equipment because it makes a freaking difference. Cause at the end of the day, if you're going to hurt your back, the hospital is not going to give a shit. That's just reality guys, because you are responsible for your own health. The, if the hospital doesn't give you equipment, you don't say anything. Well done. You get an injury. It's on you. You're going to suffer with that. Not the hospital, you know? I mean, some hops are going to suffer
1: financially, but imagine like you hurting your back and then having satica for the rest of your life. Like that sucks. Like imagine having sciatica for the rest of your life because you didn't feel like using an air mattress or you didn't feel like using a lift. You know, instead of, you know, living with pain your whole life, why not just devote the extra 15, 20 minutes to actually getting these the equipment and actually doing it the, the proper way.
0: Just and, to look back on I mean, it, go on, Matt. And I, I kind of wanted to say, you should kind of share your story. Cause when you were younger, you actually hurt your back, man. And I remember at one point you kind of say, Hey Matt, um, take a look at my, take a look at my back. Like, is it crooked? And I'm looking at your shoulders, man. And like one of your shoulders are higher than the other. I'm like, Whoa, man. Like your back is like fudged.
1: Yeah, dude. did. definitely definitely was not even even I went to then, and did all that stuff, but I actually hurt my back in like a nursing home back when I was a, I was a, I was a CNA and. That was just due to what actually happened. was It was like a patient that was, you could say, combative. And we tried to get him into bed and, you know, we tried to get him up. And then he resisted. And mm-hmm. none of us expected him to resist. And that's kind of how I, hurt, how I hurt my back. We did end up doing like a safe transfer, but like I hurt my back. And I had to go to chiropractor for like six months. And it took a long time to heal. This was probably when I was, I want to say, 18. And the pain finally probably went away maybe like three or four years after that. And I still sometimes, have that, uh, that sciatica pain because technically I got diagnosed with, with sciatica. Um, and it does, if I sit for a long time, then it does start to bother me a little bit. It's not as bad as it was before. It was all covered too by, by the facility that I worked at, but it, it sucks. Like it just flares up once in a while and you can't do anything about it. You just kind of got to walk it off. And it just, that's not something that equipment could have helped with, but this is just an example that, what well, you could actually go through. So I've been dealing with this for probably for, I'm 20, 25 years now. It's been about almost like seven years that with this with this issue.
0: Yeah, man. That's and see, it's like one event, man, and the repercussions mm-hmm. like echo throughout your you know whole entire lifetime. Another like crazy statistic. Got the Some police sar- coming. <laughs> Jesus, oh, I, I'm a
1: fired truck, man.
0: Yeah, let's just continue. So, 2016, guys. I feel like there's a lot of like random crime that happens in Venice, man. Like it's it's nice touristy place but there's just a lot of, like, I I went to go do some pull-ups at the beach there and you just got like two African-Americans just going at it. Like, get your Hollywood ass out of here. You know, this is Venice beach, bro. But anyways, <laughs> funny, funny as hell man I crack up 2016. So, um, just take, just taking a look at how dangerous nursing really is when it comes to the back out of, um, 10,000 cases, 104.2 cases happen with um, injuries for nurses, right? When it comes to all the occupations combined together, 91%, 91% 91.7 cases happen per 10,000. So we as a profession compared to all the occupations combined still have higher workplace injuries. Yeah. We
1: get hurt on the job more than all the other professions, you know, combined, which is very unfortunate. And majority of this is, is back Actually, the stats show that's forty-five point six percent of those nineteen thousand injuries we talked about happen just from from back injuries. And then the following ones that are kind of after it are workplace violence and then falls and, and slips. Like you'd be surprised to hear that workplace violence is, is number three on the most common injury that nurses, nurses sustain after after you know back injuries and falls and slips. Fall falls and slips. You can you could kind of you know of try to Avoid by having like a neat room and just like uh, things in the correct places. We actually had respiratory tech that that slipped or tripped on some kind of uh, equipment. I think it was like cables from from the vent or something. So that's the first time I've seen that happen. But it just shows it just shows that can really happen happen anywhere. And the lady came with like a leg brace, and she was actually out for like I think it was like three weeks to to like a month. And a workplace violence is something you would really not expect in nursing. It happens more often than you can think of. Let that be work, on, worker on worker or majority of the time it's actually patient on, on nurse or patient on, on uh, PCIA or patient on physician. But nurses were right there in the trenches. So we're the ones that kind of get hit more than anybody else.
0: When it comes to workplace uh, falls and slips, one thing that comes into mind for me is the SCD machine that hangs at the edge of the bed. I feel like there's never a proper place to plug that cable in. So sometimes you're plugging some, some beds have a cable underneath the the bed. I plug it in there. Sometimes I got to drag that cable across to the front end. So you got a black cable hanging around. Sometimes I, I didn't slip on it before, but I tripped. I I tripped on my own lines before and I tripped on like that kind of cable. I didn't fall, but I'm just like, Oh, careful. Um, violence, man. Hell yeah, dude. Especially like the ETOH patients happens all the time. I even had a guy that almost bit my finger once. <laughs> I was in Kaiser, he was in four point restraints. And I'm pretty sure I shared that story with you before. I'm sure I you shared it again. It's a time, of course. And the guy, man, he thinks I'm trying to kill him. The guy's freaking out. So he gets a hold of my IV tubing and starts biting his own pick line off, man. Like, I'm just like, what the heck, dude? So I'm trying to, I'm trying to grab his arm and I'm trying to push some, um, what am I pushing? Heldol? Not, not held Edevant? I was, I was pushing a Benzo. Edivan. I wasn't pushing Edivan. No. I was pushing a Benzo, bro. Um, what, what are we giving? you know Barbadol? Phenobarbital. There we go, baby. I'm pushing some phenobarbital and he, I'm trying to get into his arm. I got security holding this guy down and he's trying to bite my freaking finger it's until, until security like takes his face, like pushes it to the side. And it's like, yeah, man, we just deal with dangerous shit sometimes. And you, you know, like people like imagine nursing is just like, okay, do you have to use the washroom? Okay. Do you have pain? Okay. I'll bring you your belt. meds. Yeah. Oh, you have a headache. I'll give you some ice. Like, nah, man, sometimes I'm freaking scared for my own life here trying to make it out of work on time. Like it's, it's, it's nursing is so interesting, man. I feel like we get so underpaid for what we do and deal with. Yeah, man. It's, it it sucks. Like you, like you said,
1: you wouldn't think about these things, you know, as an, as a nurse, even nursing school, you never thought about, you know, somebody swinging at you or somebody having to hold down a patient you're like yeah you hear those stories but you're like oh it's never gonna happen to me But it happens to us more often than than you might imagine and that's as it sucks but it's just part of being a nurse i guess and like matt said maybe we gotta address these these issues in a more of a microscopic manner or or, or what but these definitely happen and people are getting hurt
0: You know, it's an, you know, it's another one. Those little grandmas that say, Oh, she is the sweetest thing. What happens 12 o'clock at night, workplace violence, man. I'm getting scratched by this grandma because she's trying to freaking get out of bed or you know, like some demented, some Donnie. Oh, I got to go to work. I got to get up and go to work. No, you are staying in bed because it's 12 o'clock at night. No, no. Give me the slippers. Boom. Nails coming out. Trying to scratch me. Grandma, what are you doing? Nurse. Give me the mittens. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah, man, that's, uh, <laughs> I'm, yeah, that's, I'm, that's crazy. You're like, like,
1: you know, like that shift is a little different because you, you get the sundowners. So the way they act during the day might be completely different than the way they act at night. And then here comes the morning and you're like, you're sweating. You, you're like, all right. like, you're like, you're like, my said his arms scratched up. And then, you know, morning comes, you come in to round down your patients who are to the next nurse. Grandma's like all, all happy. Like, Oh, what's my bre- breakfast coming? You no, know, <laughs> I saw, I watched this coolest show. <laughs> on tv and it's like she does not have any recollection of, of what she did overnight you know nothing this is just people are thinking you're making this up you got like finger marks on your wrist like no way does grandma just try to try to hold your arm or try to scratch you not that it happened like yeah yeah miss betty over here
0: yeah she's she's a biter i i had a guy like that too um a couple of weeks ago what happened is uh, 11 o'clock man he sundowned and what. We'll... <laughs> he had a lot of anxiety and his daughter told him or taught him whenever you feel anxious, um, get up, you have to get up, get up and go outside and sit on your chair and breathe. So this guy all night, he gets an anxiety attack, has to get up, man. Nonstop. Like battle armor is going off all night. Gave him some Norco, gave him some Seroquil. Didn't give him Ativan cause they didn't want to. And I give, even give him trazodone, melatonin, Nothing, man. Guys are freaking tank, but he was also a um, meth user in the past. So he has high tolerance all night, man. Getting up, he'll cuss at you in the morning. This guy, sweetest guy, ordering breakfast, watching TV, you know, laughing about Trump on the news. It's like, you tell the nurse, you have no idea what just happened. And it's like, no one believes you, man. But it's, it's definitely a night shift thing. And it's mind blowing to say the least. Yeah, that's how shit goes on on unit.
1: Yo Gotti, yo Gotti said you know, down in the DM is is down on night shift that for nurses, you know. We could, guys, definitely
0: make, we could definitely make a parody video about that, down in the night shift. Yeah, maybe, um, maybe. But guys, since we're talking about these injuries,
1: let's offer you guys some tips to prevent you from hurting your back. So obviously, guys, probably number one reason is going to be to quit your job. Yeah, quit your job. Yeah, make your hospital low so they have to change. No, the first, the best, the first and most important method of preventing any kind of back injuries is to basically stay in shape. Like you gotta, you gotta be fit when you're lifting weights, you know, you're kind of getting a, a feel for how heavy the patient is going to be. Yeah. The patient is isn't a barbell. It's not a, it's not a dumbbell. It's not a circular weight, but you're going to have strength to actually do this physical, physical job that requires you to slide the patient over or lift them up from the ground or, you know hold them down if, if you had to. So you guys got to work out. You guys got to stay in shape. It doesn't got to you don't got to have huge muscles. You just got to be able to lift something. You should definitely go to the gym, work out in some way, shape or form. It's good for your heart too.
0: And I want to mention also when it comes to staying in shape, I would also mention stretching. I feel like when I was in La, um, LaGrange, we used to crack a joke like, Hey, can you touch your toes? There's so many nurses that couldn't touch their toes. Uh, maybe they could back home, but what happens is we sit so long behind these damn computer desks and we we stiffen up. Stress stiffens up the muscles. Charting nonstop stiffens up the muscles. So your hamstrings are all connected, right? Your hamstrings, if your hammies are tight from sitting, your lower back's going to be tight. Sometimes you just get up, go to the room, lift. Hamstrings are tight, boom, prone to back injuries. Um, I'm not saying to touch your toes before you get up and sh- you know, do your patient, but sometimes move around, loosen up a little bit, get the blood flow in, or hey, have a regimen where you are stretching at home because it makes a difference when you're more flexible. It prevents injuries. I try to stretch once a day, I'll be honest. I'd say twice, but I haven't been working out as much back here, but definitely guys, get a, a yoga session in or get some kind of regimen that kind of helps with mobility.
1: And it feels good, like it'll loosen you up. Like you'll see how you'll progress when you stretch, you're going to be able to reach your toes a little further and further each time. You're like, yeah, this actually feels good. Like my hamstring haven't, haven't been as tight you know, this month as they were last month. Like I, I've been stretching, you know, my arms feel good. My, my back feels good. So because you stretch, you become more flexible and you can take on more tension, you know, when you're moving these patients around. Another tip is to obviously guys, good body mechanics. If you don't know how to lift somebody up. There is a proper way to lift somebody up. It's not like you know you're bending at the back. Gotta, you got you got to be able to do it properly, like a deadlift. If you don't do to lift properly, you're gonna hurt your back. If you don't squat properly, you're gonna hurt your back. If you don't bench properly, you're gonna hurt your shoulders. Right? Same thing goes with lifting patients and turning them and moving them over to the to the other bed. And I mean, I can't sh- I can't really show you this because we're on a podcast, but there's a great thing called YouTube that can show you how to do good body mechanics or or Google like Google how to properly transfer a patient. There's so many resources out there for you to look at. And I'm sure, or I'm not sure, but your hospital should have some kind of an in-service teaching you on proper body mechanics. If they don't, then they're doing something wrong and you're probably getting yourself in a whole lot of trouble and you're more prone to injuries if they don't have any kind of in-service like that. We
0: have one at least once a year. Definitely, and that, that safe patient handling gets a requirement by the government. Every single year, you have to get retaught. Not every single state has this law, though, so you have to kind of, hey, get in touch with them. Um, and look up on Google the states. And also when it comes to body mechanics, guys, one thing that gets neglected that you always learned in nursing school is to damn raise the bed to the, to, the, you know, to the lower back level. And honestly, man, if I have intubated patients or I know they're not like fall risks, I like to leave my bed higher because I'm going in there very frequently and I'm always bending to you know draw blood, start an IV, and it's annoying, man. Lift them up to your height and it makes such a difference. And ask for help. Don't just
1: move somebody by yourself because you can, you know, you try to turn some, somebody and you, they may forget you're turning them and they get scared and they, and they resist you. And guess what? That's a back injury. Even though that grandma weighs 90 pounds, it's still the fact that she resisted. She's now a 200 pound individual and you didn't know she's going to resist. And now hurt you your back. Like ask for help. Like it's not, not that hard. It literally takes like
0: two minutes, man. Do you know that nurse I told you about back, back at home, Paul, the funny guy with the tattoos and stuff, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. Maybe he'll notice because he watches the podcast. Like, dude, sometimes the way he was transferring patients, like, just slid them. No shits given when it was an intubated patient. Like, he grabbed the leg when we we're turning them. Just lifted, like the the, the leg is um, hanging over the rail. And he's like, okay, Matt, just do your job. I'm like, Paul, you're so funny, man. But yeah, he was, he was one interesting nurse, man. That's ridiculous. And then that that brings us to a good point. Like, acute a versus chronic. Like
1: these injuries. They're going to start off acute and then they're going to move up to chronic. So your back might hurt a little bit now and you keep avoiding it and avoiding it. And now instead of getting your fix, you want to see a chiropractor instead of incorporating stretching and good lifting techniques. You keep hurting your back more and more and you're used to the pain. And then this pain isn't something new anymore. It's just something you've you've just came to have. And now you're going to have that pain forever because you refuse to do anything about it. And it's just, just another way of living. Like a gold would say, yeah, I'm just getting old. My, my back hurts. Like, no, it's not because you're getting old. It's because you had poor body mechanics before. And now you kind of haven't done anything to fix that or leave those. And now you're kind of stuck with it your, your whole life. And then you want to, then you got to have like a, like a slip disc repair or some kind of a surgery on your, on your spine to, you know, realign it or just fix it and try to get rid of that pain. Definitely.
0: And like the last one is proper shoes. So I don't know what the proper shoes are for nursing. I guess definitely if you have an arch or, you know, if you have a, the the Healy's, there we go. If you have a flat foot, grab something for that. But I definitely wouldn't mind checking out even for myself, like doing some orthopedic insoles. Cause I feel like sometimes what happens with my feet is I'm kind of more inward. So like my feet go inward. I've, I've been noticing so it would, it'd be good to correct that to maybe help with my like lower back, but I definitely get it. I got to get a new fresh of pair of Nikes. That's what I wear. I wear running I shoes. Tough. You don't mess Adidas, just Nike. Actually, I might get Adidas pair. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I actually looked, yes, I went to the store and they looked very nice. They're on sale for, I believe 110 bucks, which is still pricey for, you know, a pair of shoes, but it is what it is. I prefer them over the Crocs. I started off with Crocs, wore them, love them. My, my my foot smells and sweats way too much in Crocs. Yeah, I think, I
1: think every nurse's feet smell. Like if your feet don't smell, you're either lying or or you don't have real feet. You have plastic plastic feet, but, or, or metal or whatever or prosthesis. But yeah, every nurse that, that I come around, it, their their feet smell. Like it's just a part of being a nurse, I guess. Maybe maybe, maybe, maybe it's a middle maybe it's a Midwest thing.
0: I, it'd be pretty cool to survey, make a giant survey online. Like, hey, are you a nurse? Do your feet smell? Because our but,
1: nurses' feet smell?
0: Have you noticed? I don't know, man. I just, I feel like usually when they sit and I give a report, it's either standing because they're very huge on bedside or, you know, we're by the computer desk. But I am conscious. Like, sometimes if I have my like feet crossed, I am going to uncross my feet when I'm giving a report because I don't want my like bad odor to like uh, to smell. I let my feet air out sometimes. Sometimes
1: when I'm charting, I take off my, my, my shoes a little bit and I let them air out. And it helps sometimes.
0: That's what I loved about the Crocs, man. Because they just slip off. You know, you're, you could tingle, wiggle your toes and all that good stuff and then slip them back in and get to work. Yeah. You should get up.
1: I saw my Croc. I've been wearing these these Crocs for... Almost three years now, and they've been solid. They're actually made for water, but they're actually comfortable to walk in.
0: It's funny because me and Peter bought the same pair of Crocs, different colors, like during the same time, and I got my stolen, man. <laughs> Someone stole them back in my job. Like, who wants to steal a pair of Crocs, like size 10 and a half? I know no nurse, because I was the one of the only guys. I know no nurse does not have a size 10 and a half. So I always laugh that. She must've took it home and her husband's cutting the grass with it. <laughs>
1: that would be funny. You see them chilling by the pool. I like, you know, you see like a Facebook profile, they're on vacation and some guys wearing Matt's Crocs, you
0: know? Like, I'd be oh. so pissed.
1: You're gonna want to tuck them, huh? I got you. Zoom in on it.
0: Um, let, let's go over. Um, we're doing workplace violence. Let's talk about needles. Um, and I feel like the longer your shift is, the more shifts you work in a row. You're a little bit more kind of wild west with that needle, I, I want to say. Like I'm more, I'm like, okay, I got to give two insulins. I just kind of go in there really quick and don't put on the light. I'm just doing alcohol, a quick pinch and I'm putting a put in the needle in. I feel like sometimes you're a little bit more reckless as the shift goes by. And uh, what is it called? The more your shift, the longer, the more shifts you work. Even like, let's just say you have that 6 a.m. heparin and you know it's busy at the end of the shift, you know you're giving the heparin extra quick. Sometimes you're not being, you could be, you know, don't be careless because you never know what the patient has when it comes to bodily fluids, you know, HIV, let's just say worst case scenario and things like that. So you want to prevent that and throw, throw away your stuff as quickly as possible to the sharps container. And one thing I do want to mention is screw the hospitals that don't have the Lovenox needles that reach, don't retract so all of our needles in the hospital have safety caps, right? The Lovenox needles never have them. There's a few brands that as you take it out, the needle hides, not in these new ones, but they care about our safety. God. Really? I think our Lovenox needles still still retract.
1: But imagine, imagine a time where, you know how there's blood needles now everywhere? Imagine a time where they had no blood needles. They had regular needles for everything. You had to draw up your Lasix out of the vial with like a sharp tip needle. Because now they have blunt tip. Now you can't, you can't really stick yourself, mm-hmm. yourself with, a, with a blunt tip needle. But imagine the days where they didn't have blunt tip noodle, needles. I'm sure needle sticks were probably up like 100% because the only sharp needles that we have now on the unit is for insulin and, and heparin and then rest, rest are dull. And of course, if you're going to give vaccines, like I said, all the other needles are, are just dull needles where all you really need to do is just puncture through the, the vial and just give the medication um, through the blunt tip syringe. And you unscrew the blunt tip, put the cap on, unscrew it, and then give it to the patient through the the access. But I can only imagine how crazy it was back in the day where everything was sharp.
0: Also have to take into consideration PD that you work at a nice hospital. Not everybody is the same. So maybe they still do use needles because I've noticed it here. Um, really? But you that, use like sharp even for like LASIKs and stuff like that? Sometimes I'll use an 18 gauge needle or a 22. It just depends what kind of well, supplies I have. Is it,
1: is it a blunt tip or is it actually a sharp? Uh, straight up needle, yeah. Oh no shit.
0: Yeah, PD, look at you living be, in a little hospital. Be careful, mace, man. Little, you, you, you know how like the, you have to take the NCLEX and everything is everything's by the books in this NCLEX hospital? Mm-hmm. you working on those little NCLEX hospitals, bro. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if we're all
1: NCLEX. We don't we, we even got no fucking residents out here. We got to troubleshoot our own stuff, man.
0: I mean, it's true. You do, you do work at a crazy place, man. Let's go over fall injuries. And you know you can't really predict this sometimes, but you, what I like to do sometimes is um, ask the patient, you know, how are you feeling? If you're feeling dizzy, I want to see the patient physically have some strength to get up, man. There was a grandma that did not want to use a bedpan, and me and another nurse, and of course, get some help. We're trying to lift her, and we're literally lifting her up by the damn shoulders, armpits, and she cannot bear weight in her arms. We put her back down. We're like, listen, like you're going to have to go in the bedpan. Like hmm. I am not gonna break my back lifting you up in the air with a nurse, transferring you over to a commode. Yeah. I literally I literally had my foot on her on her bed lifting her up, like as if I'm giving a guillotine choke. Like <laughs> whoever's watching the video, boom, up like this, dude. And it's like, no, like this I t- can- does she tap? Yeah. yeah, she tapped, bro. She peed in the bed. <laughs> but it's like, sometimes you just have to care for yourself a little bit more. Like, I understand it's uncomfortable being in a bedpan, but I'm not going to risk my back lifting you up. And I'm sure there was um, lift equipment. I'm sure the nurse neglected it where she didn't want to use it. It was change of shift, a whole bunch of different, you know, uh, factors that make us wa- not want to use the proper equipment. Yeah, like a scissor stand
1: or something might might have helped. But guys, if you do get injured, don't be afraid to report it. Like it is your your health. No one's gonna report it for you. No one's gonna be like, "Hey, did you hurt your did you hurt your back that time? Are you how's your back feeling? You would do a lot of lifting. No, no one's gonna come up to you and ask you. So don't be afraid to report this. Like don't feel embarrassed. I know some people might neglect reporting this because they might feel embarrassed about it or they don't want to take a time off. But you realize this this is your life. Like you're better off taking that three weeks of PTO. Because you got hurt compared to having this issue become chronic, you know compared to you go into the chiropractor doing stretches massage or whatever you got you got to do and legally, if this injury does happen at work, you're legally covered by the law stating that the work is going to pay for your rehabilitation or however long it takes you to recover from this, and if they refuse that, you could definitely go you know take them to court or file like a, like a complaint. There's paperwork online that you could do saying that your hospital not taking care of you and just, just do it guys. Just don't be afraid that back pain isn't worth it. That three weeks of work isn't worth it either guys.
0: I wouldn't say it any better myself guys. Definitely guys. Let's take it. Let's take this into consideration that nursing is a very dangerous profession Um, Combined combined with all occupations, we still have more cases per 10,000. And we should really start respecting ourselves when it comes to, you know, speaking up for getting better equipment at the workplace, standing up for yourself, asking for help, proper, you know, lift equipment, proper lifting of the patients. And don't rush it. You know, I know your shift is busy. You have to do this. You have to pass meds, but don't neglect safe patient handling, lifting, because it only takes one bad lift to get a patient up where you kind of feel a kink and then the rest is history. You're going to, you know, not be a bedside nurse. So please guys, respect your back. We have only one. I know, you know, as nurses, we like to put ourselves in front of other people, but you know, love yourself more and freaking say cherish that back. That's absolutely correct. Guys have a wonderful day.
1: Lift your patients properly next time. Have a good day. Peace out. Take it easy guys.